Satnam, I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Satnam. No wonder singing is such a big part of sound, is such a big part of yoga, is such a big part of kundalini. No wonder. Because when you can be in an environment where it doesn't matter how you sound, which is what we're in right now, because, you know, it didn't really matter how you sounded because in the quantum it was very harmonic. Mm. And so when you let yourself go into that freedom, that is the advantage of sound. Say, I am. I am. The greatest, the greatest singer. singer. And everyone, and everyone is, equal is equal to me. I am, I am the greatest, the greatest singer, singer, and everyone, and everyone is, equal is equal to me. To me. You say that often enough. And that's the advantage of the Kali Yuga, because the Kali Yuga is the, is the age in which truth is what you convince someone of. Now that's being misused in the idea of alternate facts. But it's not an alternate fact that you have a great voice. It's just an opinion. Because a great voice can't be measured. There's not a tonal quality that's actually measured to produce the equivalency or the equation of a great voice. A great voice is an opinion. Louis Armstrong sang in the most ridiculous voice anybody had ever heard. And you loved it because he did. You could tell when you were in his presence that he so in, was in so in love with his voice that you were enchanted by his love for his voice, which forced you to love his voice. Even though if left to your two-dimensional brain, you would have hated it. It would always off-key, never had timber, T-I-M-B-R-E, Sounded like a wonky old, soggy old event. <laughs> Remember? Remember Louis's voice? <coughs> he loved it. Now, close your eyes and say, I have, I the, have greatest voice. the greatest voice. And everyone, and everyone is, equal to me. is equal to me. Now put your hands on your throat. I have, I have 
the greatest voice. The greatest voice. And everyone. And everyone. Is equal to me. <sighs> Say it enough and you'll convince yourself of it and it'll become a truth. That's the advantage in the Kali Yuga because every disadvantage has an advantage. The Kali Yuga is the darkest of all the Yugas of all the ages. And the advantage in the Kali Yuga is that because it's so dark, it also has to have the capacity to be enlightened. It's the only age in which enlightenment is easily accessible, because it has to be, because it's just so damn dark. Hmm. Hmm. And your attitude should be one of extreme gratefulness. You see, I avoided the obvious rhyme. <laughs> because this gratitude is such an opportunity to induce your enlightenment. This weekend we've been working with the module of sound and mantra. And in quantum, Everyone knows that everything is sound. Everything is a vibration, and every vibration is a sound, whether it's audible or not. And if you go inside the molecule, you find atoms. And if you go inside the atoms, for example, if you go inside of matter, you find molecules. If you go inside of molecules, you find atoms. And if you go inside of atoms, you find the first level of subatomic parts, which are the neutrons, protons, and electrons. But within that atom, the neutrons and the protons fill up the nucleus, and the electrons are the orbiting factor. And they're orbiting so fast, so rapidly, that the sequence of your vision, whether it's electron microscope or whatever, can't actually see anything but a shell. In other words, you know, you've seen those time-lapse photographs of a freeway, and they look like red lines in one direction and white lines in another direction. Because the lapse of the time in the shutter of the camera was such that it stayed open while those lights were moving. Red in one direction and white in the other. And so it looks like these lines, but you know that it's not lines. And so that shell of the atom that makes it look like it's solid is just that. It's the lapse of time that you can actually experience the electrons of the atom that are moving so rapidly. So if you break down inside those, each electron you break down inside of that is made up of sub-sub atomic parts. And then sub-sub-sub atomic parts. They've calibrated down 27 layers from a piece of material to a molecule, which is one layer, to an atom, which is another layer, to what's inside the atom that's obvious, which is another layer, and then down. 27 layers, and at about the 27th layer, nothing exists except tension, pressure, stress, and friction in vibrational form tension, pressure, stress, and friction in vibrational form. 
So the core of all matter, and we live in matter as a soul and body, the core of all matter is sound. Is the tension, pressure, stress, and friction that is what sound is. And we use those tension, pressure, stresses, and frictions, as one of you pointed out yesterday, to produce the different sounds of the different instruments. We'll have the didgeridoo later today, which produces a sound which is a bit of the equivalency of a gong at a kind of a lower resonance. And these produce so many sounds that the two-dimensional brain that tries to identify everything can't identify anything and starts making things up. A lot of times when you get into a, a deep meditative state around these kinds of sounds, your brain will invent scenarios of what is making those sounds. And these are the scenarios that you read in Rumi's poems. These are the scenarios that you read in the scriptures of Muhammad, in the scriptures of the disciples and the apostles of Jesus. These are those stories that were fabricated in the mind as it was in the deep state, in that deep sonic state of meditation. And those stories weren't meant to be factual or actual. Those stories were meant to be inspirational. But if you approach those stories with a two-dimensional brain in the Kali Yuga, you will use them as weapons. Gay marriage is wrong. You see, it says right here. This is wrong. You see, it says right here. The use, and in these cases, the misuse of inspirational dreamscapes as weapons. To justify your insecurity by quoting some fictional higher authority. Now that's the preposterousness of this time. But within that, because isn't preposterous, and I'm going to make up a word, isn't preposterous, isn't preposterous, isn't pre, <laughs> bear with me here. This is the first time through, so we're not skilled here at this moment. Isn't preposterousness a part of everythingness? You know the answer is yes. So say it. Yes. Thank you. And so are all of the other unimaginables. How about the unimaginable? That you're the greatest singer. Because within your opinion of your voice is the invincible, infinite stranger. That is the voice of every voice that has ever been sung, plus those which have not been sung. And you can access that through your belief that's turned into knowing. Truth is what 
you convince someone of. And if that someone is you, the truth of what you can do is what you convince yourself of. The truth of who you are is what you convince yourself of. The truth of the skills that you have are what you convince yourself of. And all of this was laid out by the yogis thousands of years ago when they said that a moment is a container. A moment is an empty container that will be filled through the filter of your belief. And if your belief turns to knowing, your filter is very strong. This is a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> very powerful drawings and I'll point at them. The one thing that is absolute is that you cannot give until you are overflowing. So filling up yourself first is most important. Because if you give from yourself before you are full, you are stealing. And when you are stealing, you will start keeping score. And when you keep score, there is no harmony. There is always a negotiation. I give and I give and I give, and I never get back and I never get back and I never get back. And then how do you feel? You don't feel like the greatest singer on earth. You feel like you're being ripped off. But you're not being ripped off, you're stealing from yourself to buy some kind of approval. Now the interesting thing is that to fill yourself up, you just have to realize you're full. Because there is no vacancy, there's no vacuum in the universe. So you must be full. And what you're full of <laughs> is according to your opinion. So you produce this moment and then this moment quickly moves into the past which registers the opportunity for the future. When the moment of now moves into the past, it quickly registers the opportunity of the future, all of which is under your management. Relationships are really wonderful because there's more complexity of this event going on. And that's why in a relationship you should just get together first thing in the morning of every day and go, put your heads together and go, mm -hmm. And then look at each other. And you've said everything. 
It just didn't have any distinction. <laughs> and that is the power of sound. Because when you do that, we do it every night after when we're leaving class, right? I, you know, we need roadies. You know, we go and we set up our equipment and we're plugging in all this stuff ourselves, you know? So, don't just come up and say, can I help? Because the instructional level of what's going to have to happen to help would take us three or four times as long as it would do for just us to set it up. But that's another time. But we get outside there after we load up the car with all of the equipment and we put our heads together and we go, And we'll start out with but when we end, we're always and we're always right there together. There. That's what we need to do on earth. We need to just harmonize. But recognize that everything is harmonic. So allow it in. Gregorian chanting came at a time when Pope Gregory had decided that the only value was in unison or octaves, that any harmonic interval in between the octaves was not harmony. And if it was not harmony, it was where the devil lived. And so Gregorian chanting was, as you know, always in unison or in pure octaves. I mean, it sounds beautiful, but it's limited. The composers of that time weren't allowed to write anything that had any harmonic intervals other than unison and octaves. It was a capital punishment if you tried to step outside that. I mean, they would burn you. As a, her as a heretic. So for a very long time, the Western ear became, a became used to the fact of just unison and octaves. And so after a few generations and a few centuries, the Western ear found it very distasteful to have these other harmonic intervals in their moment. And then some of the romantic classical composers began to introduce and once it started to catch on they introduced more and then just around the turn of the 20th century from the 19th century to the 20th century jazz started to create even harmonic intervals that were used in music that were never considered to be harmonic. They were always tension intervals, fourths, sixths, ninths, crazy things. And now those became a value because they created tension in the moment and then the tension would be released in the next moment of the harmonic interval. And long ago, Pythagoras, who sort of invented the idea of the 12-tone scale, the actual octave with its half steps in between, determined that the harmonic fifth 
was the most perfect and most healing harmonic interval. And then Schumann, Dr. Schumann, in the 20th century determined what was the actual sound of the earth. And the sound of the earth was 19 degrees above a C-sharp. And then just recently in the Genome Project, they determined what is the sound of the human DNA, the collective sound of the human DNA. And it was just above a G-sharp, the harmonic fifth of the earth. When astronauts were off the Earth for a length of time, they would come back and they would be all disoriented. They could find no harmony in their mind. And the Russians and the cosmonauts realized that it was because they were missing the Schumann resonance for more than 72 hours. There comes that magic 72-hour period again. And so the cosmonauts put Schumann resonators in the spacecraft and told the Americans to do the same. And then the astronauts came back feeling fine. The harmonic intervals that enter your moments can be changed. You can tune them differently. You can tune your own moments. You can tune your body in the morning, you can tune your emotional body in the morning, you can tune your mental body in the morning, and it can stay in tune for most of the day, but the things that happen throughout the day, just like the things that happen to a guitar or a piano or any other instrument, will cause it to come untuned and you have to tune it up again. But when you tune your instrument, you can enter your moments and you can begin to form the moments with the thoughts and feelings and intuitions that tell you exactly what you want to be in that moment. And then you can start assembling your moments and literally create a timeline that is the one that you want to live with. And you break it down and it's all about sound. And that's why mantras have been so incredibly important in lives of those who know what they're doing on this level. And here you have the idea of the, the wave. Where do you ride the wave of your moments? Because those moments that are being created have a value. And then there are positions on that value that you can ride. You can be in joyful struggle. You can be lost in joy. You can have joyful crisis. Or you can have all of those things, struggle, lost, and crisis, in misery. In any moment. In every moment. Or, you can do the unthinkable and ride your joy in ease. That's unthinkable because it gives you very little identity. Because we are prone to identify ourselves more by what we're not than what we are. We are prone to identify ourselves more by what we're not than what we are. Just check it out. The whole misconcept of ego. 
is that if you say, I'm this and I'm this and I'm this and I've got the greatest voice and I'm this and I'm that and I'm this, people will think, oh, you have too much ego. That's like looking at a chair and saying it's got too much glue. Because ego is the glue that holds soul and body. But if you're saying, I'm not that and I'm not that and I'm, you can say it all day long. And nobody will accuse you of having too much of yourself. Because you're identifying yourself by what you're not, not by what you are. And that's much more comfortable in the same way in which people weren't going to make a sound other than an octave or a unison. Break the mold, break the rule, break the law. Get into your ego, make it the most powerful ego that's ever existed, and then do something really incredible with it. Because sitting back in a, I don't have an ego is basically just sitting back in indolence. And when you sit in indolence, entropy rules. Gravity rules. And what entropy and gravity are all about is to rot that which is not being used in order to recycle it. Is that you? If you don't use you, you will be rotted. And as you're rotting, you'll think, what's wrong? Oh my God! God, have you forsaken me? (laughs) No, you just have to get full of yourself. When somebody says you're full of yourself, say thank you. (laughs) Because you cannot give until... Isn't this a good PowerPoint? I mean, like instant access. When your moment overflows, you can share. And when you share benevolently, rather than specifically, everything benefits. Do we have a deal? Shake. You shake on a deal. No, not this. (laughs) This. Keep going. And add breath of fire. You're not going to forget this moment, so just, that's the power of a deal. Shake. And now open your mouth and go, ah, keep shake, keep shaking. for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more.